So today we have an inspiring and unique story on today, Mr. Sean O'Leary. Uh, you're not going to find another story like this. Um, so I just want to start with, with your story. You've just competed in Winter Warrior. For a lot of people who might not be familiar with Winter Warrior, can you just explain what the concept is? Yeah, um, well, I joined Winter Warrior in SBG in uh, Cork City. Um, we started back in June and we only finished it uh, this day two weeks ago. It's, it was a concept made up by a guy in Australia called Richie Cranny, um, who created Winter Warrior and it's kind of around the world now. It's, it's in all the big, well, it's in a lot of big cities around the world and a lot of a lot of places here in Ireland. So basically what it is, it's as as is what it's called, Wimp to Warrior, right? So it's basically bringing people who have never ever fought or know absolutely zero about uh, MMA fighting. Um maybe they know by watching watching it on TV or stuff like that, right? But actually taking part. So it takes them from knowing absolutely nothing and when within 20 weeks it takes you to actually fighting in a cage. Um, so you go through all the basics, like the first 10 weeks of it is basically learning the moves of all the different um, aspects of MMA fighting. You have the boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, um, jiu-jitsu. So you go through all the basic steps. And then after the 10 weeks, you start putting all that into practice. So you start doing sparring and learning all the moves. Well, you're learning constantly. You're constantly, constantly learning. So it's, it's, it's a very, very... Um, aggressive program it's 20 weeks long it's five mornings every week at 6 a.m every morning and like you know you're getting out of bed at quarter past five to go down and get somebody to give you a dig in the face or a kick in the face <laughs> or something like that like you know but it's very very rewarding i i can honestly say it is absolutely life-changing it's what it done for me is that um like being an amputee it's Give me the sort of um, understanding that I'm not who I thought I was. Um, you know, because you could be guided by your brain and your brain telling you that you have limitations, right? But if you listen, it's, it's probably the only time I'll ever say it to anybody, don't listen to your brain, right? Um, you'll never know what you can do and what you can't do unless you try it. And with to warrior, um, was way way above my expectations. It gave me, um, it changed. It's, it's basically changed my life. I'm no, I'm no doing, um, but I can't do proper MMA because being an amputee, right? Um, can't kick obviously because I'm when I'm doing boxing side of it, I obviously wear my my sports prosthetic leg. But when I'm doing jujitsu, I don't wear a leg. Um, so I I basically, if we're doing nungi, I start from the ground. Uh, I'm starting getting more serious about wearing the gi now because I'm going for belts and hopefully um, next year I'll go up a grade in my belt um, but for, for like my coach uh, Limo uh, Griffin in SPG Cork he's going through a lot of stages now with me of wearing the gi and learning how to because basically you start from, from your feet right obviously I have only one leg so start from standing on one leg and getting onto the ground as quickly as possible and, and stuff like that. But the Winter Warrior has given me all the basics. It's an, I would highly, highly recommend it to anyone. I don't care who you are or what you are, how tall you are, small, size, or anything, or even if you have a disability, right? This thing is life-changing. 
it's absolutely life changing. It has opened up my my um my mind to I can do whatever I really want to do, and I can prove myself um, that my abilities are a lot more than what I thought they were. But also be realistic as well that there's some things that you say right okay i've tried this i just can't do it right which is very very few things at the moment that i've i learned that i can't do right i will keep going and keep going or i find a way around things and i'm very very lucky with with my coach that um he helps me with those things you know Um sometimes i'll come around it myself and i i, I say right instead of going step one two three four five i may have to go one three five you know what I mean? I'd have to skip things, you know, and move into it. But my coach below, he he sees these things, and you know, he he's got me around so many so many different things. Like so, it really has opened up the door. But Wim to Warrior is just a phenomenal phenomenal program, and I think everybody that has an interest in MMA and maybe just watching it and would love to try MMA fighting, this is the opportunity. It's just life changing program. Yeah, no, I've seen it. My friend has actually competed in it a couple of years ago, and he said the same thing as you. Um, yeah, that's obviously what I want to get to. The thing that makes you different is being an amputee. Uh, would you like to talk about what happened, or yeah, like how yeah. how how you lost the leg? Yeah, um, about two thousand and twelve, I was um, walking on a beach here in Cork um, in Yall, and I was wearing. Um, flip-flops or I'm old fashioned so I call them flip-flops right uh, <laughs> so uh, and I got a cut in my heel um, and I just threw a plaster on it and it was grand you know but um, about six months later I started getting pain in my foot and it was mainly when I was at, when I was lying down in bed at night time I don't know why it happens at the time I suppose and I was resting the leg uh, the pain would, would come and it would be very, very strong pain. It's a pain out that would wake you up big time, like, you know. And uh, being a stubborn person that I am, I just sort of, yeah, it's grand. But I was able to get up, walk around, and it would come every now and again. But then about six months after the initial pain started, um, I couldn't walk more. And I then only then decided that I better get this checked out. And um, so I went to... Um, local hospital here in Cork and they were um running tests and they nothing they couldn't find nothing and when they done an MRI they told me that there was a um a tumor in my heel bone but when they done further tests there was a disease called uh, chronic osteomyelitis which is fairly rare it's um what it basically does is it eats the bone um but it's a very 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 difficult uh, disease to control and to get um to get rid of it well, from what they've told me, you, you'll never ever get rid of it. It'll always be in your system. But so as time went on, they were they were they took I had multiple operations. Um they took my hip bone out, part of my hip bone out and put her into my foot in the hope that and the bone might regenerate there. You know, um that, and within three or four weeks the disease was after eating that away. And then I got a spinal stimulator put in to try to control the pain and which really didn't work for me. The pain was really chronic. So this went on for about six years of different operations. I spent about, in the six years, I spent about two and a half years in hospital. And then I was sent to Dublin in 2018 and to see another surgeon up there. And he decided that, you no, know, he said, the way he described it was, they said, like, your, your 
foot is like a volcano now at the moment. Um, it's like a smoking volcano and it's ready to erupt. He said it could erupt tonight. It could erupt in 10 years' time. But he said if it does, he said it could kill you. So he said my advice is to take the leg. And I, at that stage, after six years of really, really chronic pain, I decided, you know something, you've made the decision for me, just take it. Like, I wasn't living, I was putting on so much weight. I went up to about 22 stone um, because I was either sitting on a chair or, or in a wheelchair, one or the other, like, you know. And um, so when he made that decision for me, I was, I was happy that somebody made it for me, like, if you know what I mean. Um, and... That was in April 2018, and in September um, 2018, the, I had my leg amputated in Kappa Hospital in, in Dublin. So that's that's what, from a little cut in the heel, so if you ever get little cuts, make sure you clean them all properly. Yeah, and, and what was, did they say it was from not being cleaned properly, was it? Because you just stuck the plaster on, you didn't disinfect it yeah. or anything? Or? Well, well, I suppose it was later on when they were, we were talking, you know, I spent, as I said, I spent so many times in the hospital like that. The nurses and doctors telling you different things, and like they basically said, like that if I use antiseptic wipes or or something like that to clean her up before I, I put a plaster on it, it may not have, um, it may not the the osteomyelitis may not have got into the bone, but that sort of possibly maybe maybe was there already before the cut and the cut yeah. sort of aggravated it again, like you know, so. But I would still, I would still advise anybody that if they do get a cut, clean her out, clean her out. Don't, don't just leave it be, like you know, you know. Yeah, no. Um, this sounds like a strange thing to say, but obviously you said you were obviously. Did you find once you got the leg amputated, it gave you a new lease of life and it gave you a new mindset? Because that's what it seems from looking from the outside that once this yeah. happened, you you wanted to prove yourself like, yeah. that you could do things that you thought you couldn't. Well. I sort of fell into um, the, the the training side of it by accident, really, right? So when when the leg went, the first thing that I realized is that I hadn't got the pain that I had previous. That that pain was gone. Now, obviously, I had pain from the amputation, right? You get a lot of what they call phantom pains, where your brain still thinks that the leg is there, and you get you can get a lot of pain there. I can get an, an itch down in your foot or down in your toes and there's no toes or foot there like you know just how the brain the brain works like you know but how i fell into well well i did decide like that because i'd grown so much weight and i got a couple of infections after i got the, the amputation which meant i couldn't wear a prosthetic i took about nine months before i got my first prosthetic and i was determined to just get the weight down first because i'm like i'm not a very tall guy <clears throat> And having twenty-two stone down on a on a prosthetic like on the stump, it's it's sore and it's it's not it's not right. It's not healthy either for you. So I decided that I just wanted to lose weight. How I was going to do it was mainly by diet ways. But how I got involved in the sports side of everything was um, my youngest son wanted to join um, kickboxing, and he's an extremely quiet young fellow, like you know. So. He would be easily persuaded to do something else. So I went down to yeah. SBG. I went down to SBG in Cork City with him, um, and uh, a guy in the country around there um, who I owe an awful lot of gratitude to, uh, Brendan Russell. Um, I told Brendan that I wanted my son to join kickboxing, and he said grand, and went through all the formalities, you know, and stuff like that. 
And then he said to me, what about yourself? And I was, I had crutches at this stage and I was only just wearing a prosthetic, not a couple of months only, right? And, and a really bad limp and everything. And I said to myself, this guy doesn't realize I'm wearing prosthetic. And I said, no, I said, it wouldn't be suitable for me at all. And he says, why? And I said, look, I, I'm an amputee. He goes, so what? And sort of was like, I was taken aback a bit and I went, you know something, he may have a point here, right? It's probably, it will help me get the weight down. So um, I got a phone call there from the gym, one of the gym owners, uh, Mar- Marilyn Griffin, and she asked me to um, come down. And I went down and I had my first class that Monday. And now the coach who was t- coaching us at the time was basically strength and conditioning um, program that I was doing originally. And um, Liam Singleton was the coach who was doing it. And he sort of adapted a lot of the, the exercises that we were going through to suit me, but still doing the same exercises as everybody else was doing. And when I walked in the door, I was very conscious because, you know, I was extremely overweight and it was probably the first person they ever saw with a prosthetic leg, you know. And But I, I have to say, what kept me going there is um, the way people welcomed me into it, you know, and it gave me a big, big boost. And I was doing the strength and conditioning then for a good few months and um, Lee Moog said to me, why don't you come upstairs to the mats and see how you got on up there? And I said, why not? Right. I was after proving something already to myself. And I said, okay. So I went up and um, done my first class of jiu-jitsu. So obviously I had to take off my leg. So it was probably the first time they saw me without my leg, you know. But again, Liam straight away sort of adapted things to, to do the moves, you know. And there's a million and one moves in jiu-jitsu, which you probably well know, like, you know. Yeah. And he's he started adapting moves for me that I could get to to do like everybody else was doing, but just maybe slightly in a different way. And I absolutely loved it. You know, it gave me a huge amount of freedom to have the leg off, you know, that like the leg does um hinder you to do a lot of stuff, you know. So it does limit you to a lot. So I I had the leg off, so I was able to move and it was actually giving an advantage to me. So because a lot of lads couldn't leg lock me or I had to like that, you know. So that, it was a bit, it was a bit uh, annoying for them, but it was an advantage to me. So, um, but then I got into it, and I was going to the classes. Well, COVID then hit, and that sort of knocked it back for um, up until we were allowed to do it again. And um, what the minutes started back, I got straight into it again, and I went to all the beginners classes, which were two, two classes a week, and then I started going to the advanced classes, you know, where you have your blue belts and purple belts up there. And like these guys were just absolutely fantastic with me. Like, you know, the advice, you know, you go through a roll and they're going through it with you and they're talking to you into your ear while you're on the ground saying, right, move your leg here, move your arm there and stuff like that. And things started moving. So it, it did take about 12 months before I started seeing, um, yeah, I'm starting to see how, how I can get a, um, an arm bar here or a choke here and, you know, because as, as I said, there's a lot of moves in, in jiu-jitsu and there's somebody else counteracting the move you're trying to do, like, you know, and, and all this sort of stuff. So, um, but um, that that's how I fell into it, like, you know, and now I absolutely love it. And then I done the Winter Warrior and I, I just proved to myself, like, I can do a lot. You know, the, the leg is, all right, it's, it's a disadvantage in one way, but it's not something that will stop me from doing that I want, things that I want to do, like, like, I've done a lot since, like Lee Moog again, back in June, we done a triathlon 
um, uh, I swam 1.5 kilometers, cycled 20 kilometers, and I was supposed to run five kilometers, but my leg was so sore, I just walked the five kilometers in the end, like, you know. So these are the goals that I love setting for myself. Now, the Winter Warrior was a big, big one, right? Um, apart from just achieving doing Winter Warrior, but it's just the skills and the things you learn. I mean, they're not just, these are life skills that you're learning. Like, you know, it's not something that, you know, like you go up in a soccer pitch or a GA pitch and you can only do your stuff there. These are skills that you 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 can use in life if, if circumstances um, throw themselves at you, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the streets, you know, it's to, just to protect yourself and uh, these stuff. So it, 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 was, it was just just absolutely amazing, like, you know. Yeah, I know. I, do you have any questions? I do have more questions, but I want to get if I has some for no, you. I was going to yeah. ask. Um, oh, I was going to ask you, Sean, about the. Um, if I can hear you, I can hear myself through your um, device, Sean. I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I was going, what I was going to say is, um, because I, I read it up on your story and um, I was saying to um, David, I mean, it was kind of. I was surprised and shocked at just how the whole thing spiraled up uh, to being something that seemed so harmless at first, just a small yeah. cup, uh, you know, you know in the heels of your foot. And then gradually you find that actually this isn't going away. It's, it kind of it evolves into a pain. It, the pain becomes much more severe, much more major. And then yeah. um, eventually you find you're having to lose your whole leg. And, you know, you, your life has, has effectively changed ultimately. So uh, when I read that story, I was really, really, really shocked. I mean, um, I do admit that in the industry that I work in, um, uh, we there are injuries that we do. Unfortunately, can't it can't be helped because we work in this sort yeah. of environment, and you don't think of anything of it, and you just get on with just get on with your whatever you're doing, going with the day, going with your life. Uh, yeah. But I have to say, from reading that, I, I was really surprised, and it made me made me kind of think. Well, maybe the next time something like that does happen to me maybe i should think twice and probably seek some medical advice and probably do what you didn't go and see the, um, the doctors because um you said it just starts with a small cuss in the heel of your foot and then eventually yeah. it starts paining you and then eventually you did have to amputate your whole leg yeah yeah it's like um i suppose men in general um are are stubborn right and mm. um, we we have to sort of macho image that you know air it's only pain and grand you know um and 99 percent of the time it is grand like you know but there are situations where you know if something is not getting better over a period of time well then maybe it's time to to get it checked out like you know and that 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 could be for any aspect of life you know um you know um like mine was obviously my leg right and it took me nine months nearly before I went to get it checked out you know and that's just it's basically stupidity like you know because I just thought yeah it'll be grand it'll go it's just just a bit sore and but it was gradually getting worse and worse and worse you know and so as I said we can be we can be stupid people like you know men in general like you know that we we if you if something is is not right and it's not getting better you need to get it checked out like you know no matter what it is you know Mental health, um, injuries, stuff like that. Like, no, 
Pontus being brave about things when it can be life changing like it was for me, like you know, um, you know, nobody comes heroes when you when when you leave things go too long, like. When you did actually cut your your foot, you said it was a small, just a small under cut. Mm-hmm. You said you put a plaster on it and everything seemed okay. But did you apply any antiseptic or anything? Like that? That's all. No, see, see that that's that's that was the problem. I didn't, you know. So I just mm-hmm. threw a plaster on it. When the plaster went on the little cut, it felt grand. I had no pain, you know. Uh, the cushioning from the plaster was was sufficient enough for me. Once I was out of pain, I thought that's grand, you know. And um, I just carried on as normal. The cut healed up. Um, and I, I just got on with my life, you know, went to work, played, got involved in my sports that I was involved in, um, the normal family life stuff. And But then after about six months, I started getting the pain in my heel. And I put it down to, because uh, I was heavily involved in GA at the time, and I used to train a lot of young fellas. And I thought, geez, the one of the young fellas hit me with a hurley in, in my foot today, you know, that I got this pain. And then it, then it went away, and then it started coming back. And it, come, it was coming back more frequently. And nine months after the original cut, I couldn't walk no more, you know. And that's just, that was pure stubbornness and pure stupidity. And you know, when you think back to it now, like, you know, it's it's just just being fucking stupid, like, you know, you know. Yeah. If I had my way around again, obviously I wouldn't do it. Like, But, but I'd, I'd say to anybody, you know, um, even I have two sons and I said to them, if you get a little cut, clean it out cleaner out you know the consequences can be can be life life changing no it may never ever happen as i said it's a very rare thing to happen like you know but i'm proof that it can happen like you know i know it's a long time ago and i'm not a medical um professional i'm not a doctor or a nurse or anything like that but um do you remember did you see what it was the object that cut your foot open sorry say that again the what you cut your foot on the object was it like just a piece of stone or was it metal? It was it was on the beach. Um, I don't know oh. what it was cut, what I cut it from. You know, just that I felt this little cut and I looked down and my skin had. I mean, it was a tiny, tiny little cut. You know, and um, I cleaned out. I washed my leg because there was sand on my foot, and I just threw the plaster on. Taught more of it, or absolutely no more of it, and then. So I said, okay. my leg, I lost my leg six years later because of it, like, you know. It's, yeah, I uh, want to tell Oh, sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say, go it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, life can, you just, you don't know, you don't know tomorrow. I mean, in your own case, at the beginning, uh, when it happened, it didn't seem so major, but you don't know what's, yeah. happen- what's going to be waiting for you to, um, so many years down the line. Um, yeah. In other cases, you know, you can kind of tell immediately where this, um, where this incident is is going to lead to, you know. So I mean, who yeah. knows tomorrow? Yeah, like as I said, it is. You just don't know, and that's what I said. Like, I mean, if something is not healing for you, you need to get it checked out. Yeah. You know, no matter what it is. As I said, like mental health, especially in men at the moment, is 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 a huge thing. Like you know, and if something is not right and it's not getting better, go and get a sussed out. You know, don't just take it for granted that. It'll be grand next week and stuff like that. You don't know. You don't know. I don't know. I didn't know either. Like, and I, you know, I, I, I lost my leg over being, being basically stupid. Like, you know, that if I, if I reacted quicker, um, maybe I still have my leg. I don't know, right? But 
there's probably a stronger possibility I would have had it if I if I um if I reacted and not been just stupid man that most men most men can be like, you know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. David. Especially us Irish men, we think ah it'd be grand, it'd be fine, it'd yeah, be fine, don't it. worry about it. It'd yeah. be grand, so we'll so you will go for a pint and we'll forget about it. Um, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you about the triathlon. Obviously, you said you you swam was a one point five kilometers. You done a twenty kilometer cycle, and then you done the other five k. And yeah. where was that based, and what led you to do that? Was that just another thing in your mind that you wanted to prove that you could do? Yeah, I um, I, I want once my my first target was to get down the weight. Okay, so like I was I was weighing in at about one hundred and twenty five. 127 kilos and I wanted to get it down to 90 kilos and that was my first goal and when I achieved that I thought right I need to do something big and better here and I'll just to prove to myself again so again I said it to I chose everything at Liam O'Griffin in, in SBG right and I showed the man is afraid to even come near me you know at this stage because there's also I'm actually through two other things during the week so um but so I said it to him um, I said, look, Liam, I'm, I've, I've achieved my weight target that I wanted to do now, and, but I want to do something else. So I said, I was thinking about a triathlon, and he looked at me stupid and said, you know, right, how are you going to do this? I said, with your help, right? And um, so we started, we started training um, on the swimming first side because that's the one I was really worried about. Um, because all I, could, all I could visualize myself is getting into a pool and because not having one leg, I've just gone round in circles. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, so we, um, we started um, in, in, a, um, a, in um, a place down in Formoy in Cork. Um, it's a, a water reservoir. It's a local swimming place for a lot of um, triathlon clubs. And... So we went, we used to go down there every Sunday morning at eight o'clock in the morning in the freezing, freezing cold. Oh, and I think back, but no. And I started doing just lengths up and down. We, we got a guy who was involved with Blackwater um, Triathlon Club and he's an amputee himself. And he gave me some of the most solid and soundest advice in how to do this, like, you know. So we we were going up and down every week um, and we I was you know, doing more, just getting a small bit more and more and more into it. So we done, we were training from around January to till June, um, mainly the swimming side of it. Um, and then we got on the bikes, we say around, around March time frame, because I, I, I didn't know how it, how it get on a bike either, you know, um, because I mean, I couldn't have the same type pedal as you would on the norm from from my prosthetic leg is in the normal way because obviously I can't feel the pedal, you know. So we had to make some adaptions and Liam came up with just tying my leg to the pedal, right? And um which meant that if I fell off the bike, my leg stays on on on, on with the bike, you know. The you bike, don't, yeah. I can't put leg, I can't put the leg down to save myself from falling off. But that was okay. I mean I've I've went through a lot. Um Worst things than just falling off a bike, like you know. So, um, so we done the cycle, and I knew, I knew, because I, I got the lads in all fairness and below in, in SBG, they they all got together and helped fundraise me to get the sports prosthetic leg because the normal leg that I had is for walking only, and 
I was using that for about a year, maybe over a year, um, and it was really hindering my my um, ability to train because I couldn't take the pressures of it's it's basically used for walking only, you know, and that's all it's meant meant for. So when I got the sports prosthetic leg, it really opened up so much to me, and um, I was able to do start running on this leg. And um, but we, when I got into the bike, um, I found that that leg wouldn't work because it it's a blade, you know, and it just doesn't just doesn't fit on a, on a pedal. Yeah. Right? So I had to go back onto my old walking leg, and Liam tied that leg onto the pedal, and I started cycling, and I was grand. So we sort of done it in a way where how I was to stop, um, what you know my my good leg would go hit the ground first before the other leg, and so I had to keep training to that all the time, and we've gone over it and over it and over it and over again, like any sport, you know, you practice and practice and practice, and then in um, in the twelfth of June of this year, um, we went to Ballyhas uh, Lakes in in. Just outside Mallow, where we done we done the swim, and then we done the cycle from there, on which I fell off the bike twice uh, on the way. But look, I got my twenty kilometers done. I didn't care. There was nothing going to stop me from from finishing it. Like you know, I got I built up this determination that you know, once I knew I could do something, um, there was not I I had to finish it. I just had to finish it. You know, I. It's not that I felt I, I would I would have been a failure if I didn't do it. Sorry, my dog is barking there. Not my apologies. <laughs> um, it's not that I would I would have felt that I was a failure, but it's like I, I wanted to tick it off my box that I achieved something else, like you know. So the twice that I fell off the bike, I just got back up and my hands were bleeding, my hip was bleeding, and I cleaned them out though. Right, I, the minute I fell, I just sort of cleaned out. Right. <laughs> Uh, so I had plenty of antiseptic wipes and cleaned it all down and um, done it. The run part, but then I struggled with the run part because um, my prosthetic or my my stump was quite sore after after the swim and and, and uh, the cycle. So I actually walked the five kilometers at the end, you know. So, um, but it was it was what fantastic feeling, you know, to say right, I can do a lot more. I can do, you know. I need to start setting my goals higher here and push myself harder. Um, you know, don't stay in your comfort zone. It's good. You know, you could easily just say, actually, I can't do anything. I, I, I'm an amputee. You, there's plenty you can do. Absolutely plenty you can do. If you, mind, if you get your mindset. And as I said, go back to the very first day when I said to you about the guy, um, Brendan Russell, saying, so what? Like, you know, that was the kick up the backside for me to say, yeah, so what? Let, let's let's see what I can do here, and I've done quite a bit since, like you know. So um, and then to went to where I know now I'm doing it. Uh, I'm gone really serious about uh, jujitsu side of things. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, it just opened up so many things for me. Like you know, even my mobility has got better. Um, my awareness, my energy levels have all really gone up. Like you know. And uh, like as I said, the lads below in, in SBG, they're the amount of support and encouragement that they give me, and it just pushes me harder. And it's like I don't want to leave them down now either, you know. I know there's some days you just go, oh, I just couldn't be bothered now today, you know. But there the days are the best days that you you go and do something because you actually come home feeling a lot better from doing it, like you know.
Yeah, they say the days that are the hardest, the ones that you don't want to go in, they're the ones that are actually more important because oh, they are, yeah. they, Definitely. They, like I just wanna I just wanna commend you. Your mindset and everything that you've achieved since is absolutely amazing and inspiring to myself. I first came across you, I think it was Ryan was in your corner, was he? Ryan's plan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, I've mentioned him back before. I've talked to Liam as well. Um uh Pa Lahan actually I has agreed to an interview with us as well. Um yeah. so I actually came across you only not too long ago and then when I read your story, I just want to say once I seen your story, I was like, I really want to talk to him because <laughs> no, because you were talking about mental health and stuff. Like everyone I'd say at some stage has gone through some mental health issues. And if they go and do kind of not even as much as you've done, because you've done a, a lot more than a lot of people would do. And you said yeah. there uh, about yourself, you you walked instead of ran. You still you done more than everyone that was sitting on the couch. You've done so much compared to what people have done. And I just want to say your story is amazing, and it's a I'm actually pleasure to talk to you um, from what I've seen, what I've seen, and what I've heard. And I, I'm gonna get down to Cork if you meet me for a pint. I'll meet you for a no pint. No matter. <laughs> yeah, I have to make sure I'm not in training before we can have the pint up because I take it serious now, like you know so. Yeah, we definitely have a point with you, David, no problem anytime, anytime, you know. And right, yeah, you, mentioned, you mentioned Ryan there and Pat. Yeah. Um, I mean, these two lads, um, you know, like I used to watch all the MMA fighting on, on TV, right? And um, I never really went to watch a live show. Um, no, I don't watch. I rarely watch uh, the big fights on TV. I wouldn't say I, I don't watch them. I do, right? But not as much as um, to go and see local lads fighting. No, right? And the likes of um, Ryan Spillane and Pa, like, I mean, these two lads are, they're phenomenal, right? No, we might see them on TV, right? Um, in their big fights because they're big names. Like pa knows fighting in the US and he's doing phenomenal work. Like, and yeah. I don't know, have you ever met the Hulk in... in in flesh, right? The man, no, is, he it's is huge, just huge man, right? But these guys are in the gym every day, right? And they're the most humblest and down to earth guys, right? Nothing has gone to their head. Now, there are just two that I mentioned, but I mean, I'd rather not watch these fellas uh, playing their 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 trades now in above in the cage in SBG or go to watch them in, in events, right? Because um, what you see from these films are just pure rawness, right? Um, they're, what do they, what do they apply to themselves? And, and, and to actually see the training that goes on behind the scenes is something most people never see. They just see them in a cage. But the amount of work that they go on and the amount of, you know, sparring and conditioning, and, and this is sometimes seven days a week, you know, for hours and hours and getting kicks in the face and digs in the face and they have to pick themselves back up and learn from, from their mistakes and stuff like that. These are the ones that, like, they inspire me, right? And, like, they, they'll come to me and say, Sean, you're doing fantastic work and you're doing this and you're doing that. But, I mean, I sit back and I look at these fellas, right? And this is another thing, um, um, David, and, and like that I want to say, right? I mean, we'll all hear the bad stories about young fellas and young girls, right? You know, uh, whatever it might be, you know, they're out messing about the town and stuff like that. 
But you'll never hear the stories about the likes of these guys, right? And these girls that seven days a week they're going into a gym, right? And they're working hard, they're watching their diets, they're training hard, they're good, decent, respectable people, like you know. And I mean, I sit back, I have two sons, right? Um, they're well, they're two young men now, right? And thank God they never done anything wrong. But I'm just looking at at these fellas that, you know, they do so much work and they're so respectful to everyone. Like, I mean, um, when I'm training there, nearly everyone will come over to me, Sean, how are things going? How are you getting on with your training? If you need any help, I mean, these fellas are, and they're training for big fights now, just like the likes of Pan and Hulk and, and a few more other fellas that are in the gym, you know, um, Avenue Farris. I, I think you, I don't know whether you interviewed Avenue before and his brother. No, I want to get him on though. He tagged me in everything, and I seen him. I was there to see him live the other night and win the title. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys are, you know, you see what they can do in the cage, right? And I see what they do in their training. But take them out of that environment, and they're the most respectful and honest, decent young fellas, you know, and girls, right? And it, it's it's these stories I think should be thrown out there rather than listen to all this other stories about you know young people and. Look, they're wrecking the place here, and you know all this sort of stuff. But I mean, I see these guys; they're so inspiring to me, and I'm, you know, it's a great pleasure to be around these people, and they they keep me going as well. I'm a lot older than them, like you know, but they keep me young at heart. <laughs> okay, I do you have a question. Uh, no, it's just uh, where we left off. Uh, where Sean, where you left off from, uh, talking about the um, the the other athletes that you meet at the uh, we were training in MMA. Uh, they're very humble yeah. and they work so hard. Yeah, um, like to see see the work that they do, you know, and I mean, it's not an easy choice in life, right? You know, training is hard, right? And, you know, a lot of them are finishing work and they're going straight to the gym. And it's so, so easy to go home and sit on the couch, fire lighting, watching TV, or go to a pub or do something stupid, right? But these guys and girls, right, they've, They've taken a different um, um, road, right? And they train. The training that they do is just is just phenomenal. Like you know, it's a different type of training to like your normal sport, your soccer and your GA and your rugby or, or, or whatever it might be, right? Because you're going down to a gym, right, where you can't get hurt, right? I suppose you can get hurt in any sport, right? But you're going down, especially in sparring nights, you know. And they're there every night and, and they're doing this like and they're tired. They still turn up every night and the commitment that they give to, to, to what they've chosen to do is just, it's inspiring. It's, you know, as I said, I'm a lot older than these guys, like, but just to watch them and say, do you know something? There's some very, very good young people out there as well that we don't hear about. We don't, you know, as I said, you might see them on the TVs, like the likes of Pally Han and the Hulkin Avenue, and and a few more. There's a few more coming through there now as well. I, I can only speak for my own gym, like you know. Um, you have Avenue's younger brother, uh, Fufu. Um, you have the likes of Keto Shea, um, another very young boxer. We've two lads from uh, Killarney that train below SDG Cork at the moment. Uh, Dan, Danny O'Sullivan and uh, Ethan Gern. They're again young men, and I mean the amount of training they do. For their for the love of the sport that they've chosen, um, you have to give them respect for it, like you know, 
and the problem is that there's not you know you don't hear the stories of these people like you know you hear all the bad stories about young people there's some very very good young people out there as well and i think they should be recognized they should be recognized for what they do and, and the work that they're doing you know you're all right david <laughs> sorry <laughs> i don't know what happened there no, no, no. wrong with <laughs> yeah <laughs> apologies um, okay oh. I actually want to ask a question. I can't talk right now. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Um, it doesn't stop you from drinking, David, though. <laughs> no, uh, that's the that's the suit the show. That's the suit the show. <laughs> okay, I can talk again. Okay. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. You're okay. Um, okay. I was going to ask you, Sean. Uh, not that uh, this is not something like a personal dig, but um, when you're going through all the, you know, the uh, the operations with your leg and when eventually you had to amputate your leg. Um, yeah. How did it affect you as in mentally? Because, you know, over here in the UK, we do hear stories of people who go through something like this or something that may not necessarily involve an amputation of their body, but maybe a, like a serious bereavement has happened in the family. And, you know, it really yeah. does do a lot of damage to their mental well-being. So, I mean, yeah. just as in, how did you, how did you handle that? Well, well, here, before you get an amputation done, right, um, I had to go through two assessments with psychologists um, to see, to make sure that my my mind was in the right place and I had accepted what was going to happen to me, like, you know, and if your mental health isn't solid, right, they would be very reluctant in, in amputating. Now, obviously, there is certain situations, like if it was a car crash and you were like, is taken off me. They obviously can't, but with me, um, I had to go through two assessments from two different um, psychologists first before they they said, "Yeah, his mind is solid enough to accept what's going to happen to him." Like you know, and it was because I had six years of not being able to do anything, you know. And then you you said there about people going through bereavements. Um, just as I was starting to walk, um, when I got my my very first prosthetic, I got into my Third or four different type of prosthetics now because your leg changes shape, you know, um, as you as you go along the prosthetics, they are quite tight. It's like it's like wearing a very a wrong size pair of shoes at the start, right? So they are very tight, and but your leg changes shape constantly to, to fit the prosthetic. So with my very first prosthetic, I um I was used crutches and uh, I just started in the gym, and unfortunately. Um, my wife took sick and we didn't know what it was and they ran, they ran tests and um, she, um, we were told that she had stage four cancer and um, this was totally out of the blue, you know, she was the one that was keeping me going, she was pushing me, she was like, uh, the days that I didn't want to go training, she would say, right, get into the car, come on, I'm dropping you down, you're training at five o'clock, because she knew I wanted to get the weight down and, you know, she she kept driving me and um unfortunately october uh, 26th of october of last year she passed away right and um which was very very hard right but the only thing that keeps me going with my training is that she was so adamant that like she 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 saw me 24 7 
right? And she saw the pain I was going through for the six years uh, before I lost my leg. And then she saw the weight that I put on and she wanted me to get as fit and healthy as I possibly can. But then when she got sick, because we have two boys and, and other young adults now, right? But she was driving me to make sure that I, I got healthy, that I was there. Like she knew in her own heart and soul she wasn't going to get um, going to get better, like, you know. And um, and because of COVID, when she went into hospital uh, five days before she died, um, she was taken into hospital and um, they wouldn't allow me into the hospital to see her, right, because of COVID. And um, I remember she saying to me, um, you've training at five o'clock, make sure you attend it, All right? And five days later, she passed away. But that keeps me driving on to um, keep going. Like the days when I feel, not, nah, I don't have her in me now, that rings in my head, you know, you she wants you there so i just i just keep going so but i've actually made my head my mental state um very strong very very strong um but i know that's not for everyone right some people um find it very difficult and and their mental state um does take a downturn right and um unfortunately i think it's it's not just in ireland it's it's in in most countries um mental health is a sort of it takes a backstage to more your normal type illnesses like you know um but it is i i suppose i was lucky in that sense that um i had six years of pain that gave me the strength to to accept what I, what was happening to me and then i had a wife who was very very strong and she built um um uh, even a stronger person mentally in me as well like you know and as I'm going forward, if um, you know, the days when I, you know, I don't have her in me, I would lay back to six years of sitting on the couch, and then my wife saying, "You need to go. You need to push yourself. You need to get healthier. You need to get such stronger. Keep pushing yourself harder and harder and harder." And that's what keeps me going. But I know that's not for the case for a lot of other people. Like, and you know, it's it's. Um, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed with, um, I suppose, with people who, who go through what I what I went through with my with my leg. Um, it's um, it's vital for them because it, it is life changing. And okay, I've done a lot of things since I lost my leg, but that that the majority of people probably don't do those things right. And it's 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 life changing, especially for those who. It's it happens in like a car crash or something like that, you know, that it's something's not prepared for. I was prepared for it, like, you know, I was told in advance and I, I was six years of, as I said, going through a lot of pain and operations and hospital stays and medication and um and I didn't want that life no more. So I had the there was an option there for me, but for some people it's not and um it's a difficult road for them. It's a very, very, very difficult road for them. You know, I have a friend that um, it was through a car crash. Um, he lost his leg, and I only became a friend with him through. He he saw me doing my training, right? And he got a bit of encouragement for. But he like, I mean, he woke up from hospital in the hospital with his leg gone. You know, and thankfully he's doing very very strong now, and I keep in touch with him all the time, and we we meet up every now and again. 
And um, it was actually a year ago yesterday that he had lost his leg. And I, and I sent him a text message to say, right, I'll have you down to the gym in, in another couple of months. You know, it affected both sides where he lost his leg in one, in one of his legs. And, you know, and he will, he'll, he'll come to the gym. His mind, he's like, thankfully he got a bit of positivity from seeing what I've done, you know. And, uh, but I mean, to wake up and find that there's some part of your body gone, I can fully understand that that mentally that's that's very, very, very challenging. Very, very challenging, challenging like, you know. Yeah, especially waking up and like you said, you, you had to prepare for it. And you were saying, does he go to the gym with you? Because at least no. now does he doesn't he go doesn't, to the gym. Gonna, no, he's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not ready. He's not ready for the gym yet, like you know. Um, because it affected, um, it's his right leg was amputated, but he's also has some damage on his left side. So um, he's still using crutches at the, at the moment, like you know, and his left arm is affected. So he needs, but he will, he will. He's so resilient and he's so determined to get himself back in order. And you know, the day that he said to me, Sean, I'm ready to go. Can we go to the gym together? It'll be me. A great day for me as well as for him like you know that he's achieved but just to see the progress that he's made and i can see it i can see his mind is is what it was with me um two years ago you know you can see the determination was there too right this is not all right i may not have a leg right but this is not going to determine who i am right i'll make sure i'll determine who i want to be myself not by not by a disability or you know or ours is obvious, right? Because basically, you can see I don't have a leg, right? Or you can see with me wearing a prosthetic. Others have different; they're not they're not visual uh, disabilities, right? But have have the have to see somebody that has the determination to achieve um, goals that you might other people say no, they're they're limited to what they can do. But to see the determination in the lights of my friend, I won't mention his name now because I, you know, yeah. I haven't told him I was going to mention. But it's just, it just came up in the conversation there now. Uh, to see, I can see the same determination in him now as I had um, two years ago um, to make my life the best of what I possibly can make it, and that's in him as well. And I guarantee you, I'll, I'll probably be messaging Gene in a couple of months' time saying he made his first visit to the gym. And it'd be great to see it there. Why don't people know more about you? Because, I mean, I'm really touched by your backstory and um, your wife, how she you know, passed away. You know, because your story is really, really inspiring. You didn't let anything, you know, get you down. And, um, and you know, in this one thing, you said you, you, know, so, but you train, um, you still train mixed martial arts and how it started, you went to the gym. Um, is actually initially to sign up your sons, and then um, the uh, the member of staff um, actually asked asked yourself, inquired about you, would you not like to join us as well? And yeah. uh, you actually surprised they well probably because they didn't know you had a you had an amputated leg, but they still yeah. said no, you can still come and join us. I mean, that's really really inspiring. I mean, I'm just thinking about myself if that happens to me. I mean, I I don't know what I would do, but you I mean in this book why don't people know so much more about you because your stories really you know bring a lot plenty of hope and inspiration to a lot of people well you know it, it's 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 uh, a like more, probably most gyms like 
probably wouldn't have accepted me, right? Because obviously, you know, I could be a, a guy walking around with one leg, right? And they'd be looking at, geez, he could hurt himself. He could, you know, just, you know, they'd be looking at it on my liability in the gym. But the gym I'm with, SBG, is, was, they were so welcoming, right? And that alone, right, as I said earlier on, like when I when I entered the gym the very first session, I was grossly overweight and I was wearing a prosthetic leg and I was wearing I was using two crutches. Not one person, not one person in that gym mentioned anything about my leg, mentioned anything about my weight. All I was hearing was, Come on, Sean, you can do this, you can do this, you can do that. And I was I was very looking, very blessed at the gym that I happened to find. And I, I reckon it was just it was sent my way. To go to go to this gym, right? Um, they just they just encourage me all the time, and and if I'm inspiring anybody else, great, right? And I'm delighted, and I hope to God that like my friend that he he'll be in the gym in a couple of months' time, you know. But it's just you know it's um, I I've been very you know, from my from what I'm after telling you about losing a leg and, and losing my wife, right? I've been very blessed in other ways, right? That um, I found something that challenges me, keeps my mind occupied. Going back to mental health here as well, um, like there's days I get very down because, you know, I've, I've lost my wife, you know, and I can get very down. For it. The minute I go, I, I, I get myself up and get to the gym, even though my, my head wouldn't be in the right place for the gym. But the minute I come out of the gym, I feel, ah, oh, that's a weight off my shoulders. I kept myself occupied, kept my mind occupied. No, you can sit there and you can go over things and over things. And you know, your mind your mind can be the most fantastic thing in the world, but can also be the most dangerous thing in the world as well. You know, if it, if you leave it, take you over. It's very hard to get out of that deep, dark place, like you know. Um and I've learned that no, I, I know where my um where I find solace and I find um um comfort. And it keeps my mind occupied is is going to the gym and I'm just looking that I, I found SBG in in Cork that they just took me under their wings and they 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 basically look after me they they watch me you know with my either do my weight training or do my my um, um well I don't do MMAs so but I do certain aspects of it, MMA but they also watch you know that my head is in the right place as well. Like, you know, um, like Marilyn Griffin, who we call the gym mama below there. Um, Marilyn is, uh, that woman is, is, is she's sent from heaven. I swear to God, that woman is just unbelievable. She know she knows me inside out. No, she knows if I'm not feeling the best and she just, she'll just, she lift you like, you know, so I've been very, very lucky where, where, where I, I, I was going to say land on my feet, Right, but uh, I'd say my foot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I've been, I've been very, I've been very, very lucky that um, that this gym um, took me under their wing, and and they they um, they really, really um, look after me, and they 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 and they push me, they push me hard as well. You know, um, they they probably know my limitations, but then they know. Right. He needs another challenge here. And that's what they do, you know, and it keeps me occupied. It keeps me busy, you know, and keeps my mind from overthinking things. Um, and um, I, as I said, I've been very, very blessed with them. Like, very blessed.
I'm, I'm going to branch slightly off. It's related to when you were overweight. Um, yeah. I'm sure you're aware of all the, uh, the wokeness happening now in everything. MMA, um, commercials, just everything is so left wing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, David, this is <laughs> it's to do with, um, okay, it's to do with the fat shaming aspects of things. Um, yeah. This debate's been had quite a few times and not, again, not to take a personal dig at you, but um, when you were overweight and when you were, lo- when you were like that, I'm not sure how overweight you were, but were you, um, were you comfortable with how you were? I mean, even though, of course, you had an, a, a serious injury and amputated leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely hated who I was. I hated it. Um, like, just to, just to bend down to tire list, you're breathless, you yeah, know? I mean, yeah. You had no energy. I hated what I'd become because I was active in sports all my life. You know, I used to, as I said, I was heavily involved in, in the GA and I played up to about 34, 35 years of age. So I kept myself uh, relatively fit enough, like, you know. And then, um, you know, when I stopped playing, you know, the weight started creeping up. But I, I sort of, I wasn't extremely overweight. But then when, when the leg issue came on, um, I, I got grossly overweight. Um, I mean, I've, I've lost about... 42 43 kilos since i started in 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 what i'm doing now um but i hated absolutely hated um what i was you know it was i mean it limits everything you can do even even when i had issues with my leg if if i didn't have the issues with my leg i'd probably still be limited to what i could do because i was so much overweight um i know i look at people and um I hope I'm wording this wrong and I, because I don't want to be coming across as um, being smart or arrogant or anything like that. But I look at people now and they see, you know, that may be overweight or excessively overweight. And I actually feel sorry for them because I know what they're going through, right? I know what's going through because it's a hard, hard struggle. It's so, so easy to prom weight and it's so difficult to lose it, right? You know, and... Um, I, I, you know, when I see it, I go, God, I, I, I fully understand how they're feeling, you know, um, and it's uncomfortable even, even in public, like, you know, because, um, you know, if you are extremely overweight, you are going to get people staring at you, right? I, I, well, like, when I remember um, when I, when I, when I lost my leg first and I was in the wheelchair, I didn't have the prosthetic on and I was at a shopping centre here in Cork with my wife at the time and, um, this lady and her, it's a bit funny though in one way, right? But this lady and her son were just across me. And um, my wife had went into the shop, so I, I stayed outside, um, sit, just sitting in my wheelchair right now. So I didn't have any leg at all. I had no prosthetic on. So it was just a stump, obviously covered up. right? And the child came over and asked me what happened to my leg, right? Now, the mother ran over and grabbed the child straight away, and she was apologizing and apologizing. And I said, there's no need to apologize. I said that the child is, you know, it's inquisitive. Probably never saw a person with a leg before. I said, I'd rather adults ask me, um, this will happen to you, rather than stare at me. You know, they stare and they turn their head away quick when you turn your head. I mean, it's not nice, you know, it's not nice being stared at. 
So I can also so and and also being the overweight side of things, right? So I when obviously you see people and you can't help but see them, right? But I understand how those people the people who are excessively overweight feel when other people stare at them. It's not nice. It's not nice at all. You know, and I I, I do my heart goes out for them, you know, because I know deep down nobody wants to be overweight. You know, See, let, let me I hear what you're saying. I hear that. I know David's giving me this kind of glary <laughs> looking at me as if to say, why did he ask that? I'm I'm assuming. No, no, my my throat is still. Oh, <laughs> my throat is still at me. I'm drinking a pint a glass of ice to try and cool it down. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but Sean, the reason why I say that is because here in the UK, I mean, particularly in this in this country, there's this this thing of fat shaming and. They had this debate just not, not too long ago. So when you're talking about the overweight side of things, when you um and before in your past, it kind of it suddenly just sprang up in my mind. And the reason why the, the reason why they're having the debate basically that they don't they believe that society should stop fat shaming people that they they're trying to normalize it that it's okay to be as big a size as you. I mean, for some people, for some people who maybe are lazy, they don't want to actually be active and watch their diets and lose the weight. And then the other people actually, they do want to lose the weight, but sometimes it's hard to be a mental health thing. It could be yeah. maybe their lifestyle. They're juggling so many um, responsibilities all in one go. So they don't have enough time to just put some, at least an hour aside and go for a long jog or for a long walk or even to prepare yeah. food properly, and, and like say a home cooked meal, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, but but like it, it it like it's granted to say the government to say like um, fat shaming we need to stop this and you know whatever, but then you look at um, uh, foods right. You you could go to get a takeaway for five euro, right or five pounds right. If you go and get a salad, you're probably paying seven or eight, right. You pay a bottle of water, it's three or four euro for for a large bottle of water. You can get a bottle of Coke for 150. I mean, why why isn't the government stepping in and making things more accessible to people, right? As in the foods and the drink side of things, right? But like the worst foods you could eat are a hell of a lot cheaper than the healthier healthier options. Why should that be the case? I think it's probably because if you well a lot of the food processed uh, produced and sold and consumed in the uk i'm sure in Ireland, in fact around the world these days is processed food processed food so they add the basic ingredients they add all the other unhealthy ingredients to make it a lot more attractive to taste and to eat and also yeah. they add lots of additives and preservatives and e numbers in there so the food stays that way for a long while whereas the yeah. natural healthy food such as the salads from production to consumption it has to be kept in a certain way so by the time it reaches the supermarket or wherever it's going to be sold it's still yeah, I, I edible yeah, yeah i understand that side of it but i mean it's, i mean i think a lot of people go you know the only working person right goes on costs right what can they afford right i mean you to get a salad is a lot more expensive than, than to get a bag of chips why you know why 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 isn't the states in in ireland and the uk or or anywhere in the world saying no tax the hip tax the the, the the dirty foods as we call it right and let's make the the healthier options 
a lot cheaper for people like you know. I mean, I, I think I think it doesn't boil down to what lasts longer in the fridge and as stuff like that. I think the majority of it is the cost of of what what you can afford to have. Right. I mean, it's cheaper to get a takeaway than there is to cook up something healthy for yourself. You know, I mean, I think I think the majority of people it, it, it boils down to what they can afford and what they can't afford. You know, and it's it's crazy. It's absolutely no. I I have my takeaways every now and again, right? But I I eat healthy uh, the majority of the time, and it can be done. You know, but luckily I I sort of got into a system you now and I'm a bit more organised and and how I eat and stuff like that, like you know. But I mean, for a person who's starting off, like we're, we're on about people well ago who maybe are excessively overweight and want to lose weight. I mean, they look at their their um, their shopping bill of buying healthy foods to what they were paying when they were buying, we said the dirty type food. I know it's probably not the right, right word to use, but it's probably 50% more than what they were paying. And the first thing they're going to say is, I can't keep this going. You know, I can't keep this going, you know, if you're just a normal working family like all of us are, you know, and so you go back to your dirty foods again, you know, because that's what you can afford. I mean, the governments don't help um, with, with the pricing of of, um, of foods like that, like, you know, I mean, they should, it should. It's a big aspect on whether people are going to eat healthy or not is the cost of them. You know, you even get a protein bar. I put it this way now to you, right? Protein bars here in, in Ireland, uh, Dave, you might you might know this yeah. as well, right? If you buy a protein bar, you're talking about 280 upwards, right? Two euro eighty cent for a protein bar. But if you wanted to buy a bar of chocolate, you probably get it for about 130. That's just a small little thing, right? So you're well, I would say a protein bar is totally healthy, right? But it's a lot better than your. It's a lot yeah. better than your. You're getting protein into at least, yeah. right? But you can get your just plain chocolate bar at half the price, less and, and more than half the price. So, how does that help? Like, how does that yeah, help the ordinary it? person to try to uh, eat healthy, but can't afford to do it? So we're not we're not helping people that way. Definitely, definitely not helping people out. I think cost is a major, major aspect of it. It's about business in this country. Yeah, and you've probably seen oh, yeah. it yourself with all the stuff that goes on in this country. It's all about, sorry, it's all about money. It's all about, they, they, they brought in the sugar tax for the likes of the coke and stuff, but that didn't really, I work in retail. Well, I've just yeah. moved from retail, but I have been for seven years. It didn't really affect it. We had to do a That's whole right. price change for the whole shop. It was a couple of cents on each team. So, yeah. Um, like I worked in a discount retailer where you can get you can get cheaper options as well but even at that like I've tried to do the healthy shop as opposed to my normal shop and like yeah. you said for just just for shopping for me I was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. What, what's yeah. going on here and that's a major turn yeah like Dave you just said there about the, the sugar tax right I I I went done the shop there you know because Christmas is coming up now and all this stuff so there's you know people are buying in advance of Christmas, you know, to get that they don't have this big bill at Christmas week of their big shop. In one of the multinational stores, I won't mention names now, right? You could get five two litres of 
a fizzy drink, right? Well-known fizzy drink. Five, two liters for five euro. Sorry, it said eight or eight five, bottles. No, no, five bottles of yeah. of a, a two liter bottle, right? You can get five two liter bottles for five euro. I mean, I think that's the what I worked. I worked in. I think that's what I worked in. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. Uh, Where's the bottle of water? You, then you go. Then you go down for a bottle of water, and you're paying for it for a. Um, a litre and a half of water, you're probably paying three or something for that bottle on its own, for one bottle. Does that make sense, like? No. No, no, it doesn't at all. You know? So this this is, like, this is why I'm saying to you, is the cost of eating healthy is crazy. But we're doing nothing about it, right? We'll allow... Like Dave, you know, the sugar tax was a joke. It never worked. Yeah. Never ever it was worked. A, never worked, right? It, but it was a PR stunt. It was a PR stunt. It was a, oh, yeah. to give themselves a pat pat back as yeah. uh, we get in this country a lot. You, me and you probably have a better conversation in the pub about this country because it's in a, it's absolute shambles at the minute, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like like if you if you have young kids, right? And maybe one of you are working in the house, right? How could you buy healthy food the way it's priced at the moment? You're not going to do that. You're going to, you know, you have a family to feed, you have other bills to pay, but it's cheaper to buy the dirty foods rather than the healthy option. You can't, because it's not viable for you to do it. But you, further along the road, you, you realize, my God, look what this, this type of foods have done to me. Diabetes, is is huge, right? Um, obesity, mental health effects at the end. You know, if you if you develop chronic obesity, you know your mental health definitely definitely does affect you. Like, all because people are are sort of don't have um, the option of buying healthy food because basically can't afford to keep it going that way. Like, you know, so cost is a huge thing in it, huge huge thing. I, I would go to the store every day to buy healthy if I could, right? Knowing that and the cost of it was was viable for me, right? Like you going back to Ike saying that the processed foods last longer for you. But I didn't know if you're going to the shop every day to buy fresh every single day if it was priced correctly or that I could afford to do it, right? Now, I do. I'm lucky because I've sort of worked out my plan. You know, so I, I can work around those things, right? But for and for a family like um two adults and, and two kids in a household, which is probably the norm for a family household, I presume, right? Um it's it's not viable for them. They couldn't they couldn't do that. Because the the wage we just gone on, on food. You know, your kids look after you, bills are the bills to pay and stuff like that. So the price of food of healthy food is just crazy and the government should do nothing about it because this as Dave you were saying well God these big multinationals you know your your big fizzy drink companies um I don't want to be put my name out there I'm naming these companies you know okay so much you're 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 you know you know, you, you know what I'm saying like you know yeah yeah I mean, but but like even even the new stores that are coming in right you can buy um 
their own their own brands, right, of dirty foods for pennies. Right? For yeah. pennies at this stage, like, you know. And so you can't, you know, the healthy from those stores is, you know, it's crazy, like, absolutely crazy. Um, Cody Martry connects again probably the next five minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, well, we um, yeah. I think it's not just a cost, but maybe certain individuals also they just have a, a certain lifestyle, a certain habit. They've got a really, really big sweet tooth that they just cannot go a single day or single week without having taste taking something yeah. that we normally deem to be unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there, like, and I was one of these sweet tooth people. Like, I mean, I would I would eat if I saw a dessert here, I would do without my dinner to have the dessert. Right, that's the way I was, like, you know, wow. that's the way I was today. And I still I still have I still eat sweet things every now and again, like you know. But I mean, if you if you get your mindset changed to right, I can either go down this road and stay as I am and be unhealthy and probably get diabetes in a couple of years' time and very, very high possibility of getting a heart attack and all this other stuff. And you get your mindset changed. Say, right, do I want that? Or do I want to try to get healthy and live a longer life and be active with my kids and, you know, do things that I wanted to do, buy clothes that I'd like to fit into? Well, then this is the option I have to go, right? I have to stop having the sweet tooth or at least lessen it, you know, and work your way to a stage where Okay, I can do without it now, you know. You know, but you have to have the mindset has to be there. It's point to starting something. I mean, everybody starts, January's coming, we're all going on diets, all this stuff. By the second <laughs> week of January, we're back in the place, we're back in the takeaways, and all this sort of stuff. Right? It's oh, now you need to get your mindset. If you want to, mm. if you want to start a New Year's resolution, mm. you don't start around the 31st of or decide to do it on the 31st of December that you're starting on the first of January, right? Mm. You need to start, you need to be thinking about right. How am I going to plan this? How am I going to work around this? How can I make this successful to myself? And you don't do that in twenty four hours and start in the morning. Like. I mean, mm-hmm. you need you need to be planned of where you're going to go and how this is going to work and how do you keep away from these sweet things? Or, or as I said, re- at least reduce them. You know, that's 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 how it works. It doesn't. Ah, I'm going to die in the morning. Next is you find out. Oh, I've got it's. Dave's birthday next week, so I'll wait till next week. It's <laughs> <laughs> my birthday next week. Is it your birthday? It's my birthday on Wednesday. Um, I honestly didn't know that, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm a bit of a psychic now as well. Yeah, <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying about the diet, especially with people, um, is they don't plan. With everything, if you prepare, or if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. It's not going to exactly, work. Yeah. People, think, people think, and especially with dieting and stuff someone always told me never start on a monday because for some reason it just never works out but you have to it's everything in life it's the same thing yeah. never go shopping when you're hungry like yeah i know because i i will go right this is every time i go shopping and i'm hungry i buy you buy all the food and you get back oh, your pack okay. and i'm like i don't know what i say so what after all that work and then get a second takeaway and <laughs> um, I want to actually circle back to something Ike said he, he had mentioned that he reckons your story should be bigger which right. I agree as well um, and actually, actually circles back to something you said is nowadays people don't want to talk about positive things I think 
um, yeah. as you said, with the with the younger people, you hear more. The pandemic first hit, they were getting blamed for everything. There was it was the young people. It was young. It was the young people who weren't going. They weren't going out. And I think your story inspired. And I don't. I've seen there's, there's been a bit of attention on it. I've seen a few articles on it, and like I said, I think it should be bigger. But I think it circles back to what you said about the likes of Pa, all the guys in your gym. People don't want to focus on the, the positive because the positive doesn't bring in the views and bring in the clicks. And me yeah. consciously, I try and that's why I get guests like yourself. We had another guest called Dre Miley from the US. He, he actually only has one eye, and he right. fights MMA professionally. That's why I want to kind of bring the spotlight to like uh, stories like this. Um, yeah. Like I said, I love the story. What's your future plans? Have you any more little goals that you're planning on, on going to? Or do you want to say just yet? Yeah, I have. Um, well, from from the, the martial arts side of things, I, I want to up my belt anyway first, right? So I'll be going for my blue belt in um, sometime next year. So we had an assessment on there a couple of weeks back. And... Uh, I was happy from my coaches. There was three or four different uh, purple belts were were assessing us, right? So, so my next step is to get my blue belt in that. But I need to set little. That's that's sort of a long term goal, right? So it'll be sometime next year, right? So, but for me to get there, I need short term challenges um, to do before you know to keep my keep my head occupied and keep me keep ticking over all the time. So. Um, in April, um, I we plan to do a biathlon, so I'm going to be doing um, a minimum of three kilometer swim and a forty kilometer cycle. Um, hopefully, I might even do longer if I can, right? But uh, I also want to climb uh, Carantool. Um, hopefully, well, weather conditions will will determine that as well, like you know. Um, so um, they're they're two short term goals I have but I also want to fight in the amateur um, jiu-jitsu circuit as well um, in after the new year so uh, does anybody out there wants to fight a 52 year old amputee it's going to be a shout I'd be only too happy to take you on so I, I do want to fight I, I want to fight uh, competitively in, in jiu-jitsu side of things yeah. and I will do it and I know you will. Um, is there obviously with jujitsu uh, competitions on? Is there medical clearances that you have to get that might? In yeah, well, I had to get medical clearance for for to do with the warrior because it's the yeah. same governance as, as you would do for MMA. Even though I wasn't fighting MMA, but because I was doing a boxing round as well. And that's another thing I have to say about um, about uh, MMA. Um, I don't know it's a worldwide, but I know it's definitely in Ireland. Um, the medical uh, that you have to go through to fight in, in MMA is it's it's a it's a tough medical right not physically right but you have to go through so many things right? you have to have your bloods done you have to have your eyesight tested your hearing tested um you're basically physically checked that you're okay but then you also have to have MRI scans done and all this stuff like and we had to do that for for Winter Warrior as well um but you could go into a boxing room or or go and play rugby you don't have any of these things and they're probably more um there's probably more of an impact in the likes of rugby or we get a belt of a hurley in the head and you don't need anything like that you know you need no medicals but um 
I had to get I had to get clearance. I had to get um, um, scans done, and I had to get all my bloods and and have a full medical checkup before I was able, even able to do with the warrior. So it's yeah, you have to have these things. You don't. I don't think you need an MRI for just jujitsu because there's really no head contact there, right? But for for MMA, whether it be amateur level or professional level, it's the same thing, same criteria. You have to have. Uh, uh, an MRI done and you have to have medicals done before you can do anything yeah obviously it is uh, it's, it's good that you have to go through that much because then you could potentially see I'm a fighter but especially yes, in this Dave, country you're, you're, you keep cutting out your voice keeps cutting out yeah there. yeah can't be silent, David. Yeah. yeah can you hear me now yeah, yeah. Well, now, yeah? For, for now yeah but I think for the past Several times this has happened. They've been speaking, and for some reason, it's clipped off. Maybe okay. it's the connection with the Zoom server. Mate, it could it could be mine either. I don't I don't know. Um, but with um M- MMA, obviously, it's good that they have that that much of a sticker that you can spot something. Maybe why do you think it is? Do you think, it, especially in Ireland, uh, with governing bodies, they don't seem to look on MMA quite. Um, they don't look at it as a sport really because it's not commissioned in this country. You think they have to go through that much medicals because of that? I, I will. I think they're showing um, how how seriously are about the sport, you know. Um, and I think what they're doing is the right thing because it is an impact sport, right? Um, and like most sports, there is a possibility of head trauma done, and you know, no, like, like what rugby and soccer are going through at the moment. They're only realizing no. Um, that uh, later on in life, because of the sports they've played, there's um, dementia and 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 these brain uh, brain related um, diseases, right? Are basically because of the sports they played, where there was never any checkups done when they were younger, like you know, so or when they were playing the sports. So I think other sports should be taking the leaf out of what MMA are doing now. Right, and if anything, I know um, Sports Ireland here don't recognise MMA as a sport, right? But I think they should really look at what at the criteria before you can actually fight in MMA. What you what you have to to go through medically, and I mean, they need to they need to say right, guys, we need to be following suit here and and bring MMA. Um, under the umbrella of, of Sports Ireland because they could learn a lot from 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 uh, MMA fighting. You know, our, 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 the sport of MMA, like, you know, um, it, it's crazy that they, that they are not recognised because it's the most um, medically conscious sport that's out there now. Right? There's no other sport to do what, uh, what MMA are doing at the moment, like when it comes to um, making sure everybody is is one hundred percent okay before they go into a, a fight? You don't. You don't get that in, in not that I know of anyway in any other sport. You know, so they will have to learn from MMA rather than try to keep them out out of the room. They should be the door should be opened up and say, right, let's come on in here and tell us what we can do. You know. Yeah, I could go uh, to a boxing gym next week, or go to a soccer team, and I could be playing by the weekend. Yeah. With no checkups, no nothing. Are you healthy? Yeah. Do you look in shape? Yeah. 
or yeah. in your box and you do whatever. And I could, you could literally, I could go to a gym on Tuesday because I know the one close to me Tuesday. I could go on Tuesday and in three months I could have a fight without like having, like they take me on or whatever. And then, like you said, with the sports, there's no checks. Can you play? Can you throw a ball? Can you kick a ball? Yeah. And then you're in. Whereas MMA seems to be going above and beyond the precautions yeah. that need to be taken, which is what every sport should be doing, especially the yeah. likes of boxing. I think boxing is more dangerous than MMA, in my opinion. Yeah. Like you, you also have to get an ECGs done to check your heart. It's not just your brain they're checking, right? They're checking yeah. your, your heart. Your, there's so much checks. Like, I mean, and I, like going back to Winter Warrior, um, you would not be allowed. And it's, it's, it's an amateur competition, right? Um, it's not even a competition. It's a program, right? There's no winners yeah. or losers in, in, in Winter Warrior. Like you, you complete your, your 20-week um, training program and you're a warrior, right? It's, it's a nice thing to go into the cage at the end of it, right? And it's lovely and it's a great feeling and you, you're, you're displaying all the skills that you've learned over 20 weeks. But to even to get into that, um, into that octagon for that we had to we had to go through every single we were checked from head to toe right our bloods were checked our heart was checked our brain was checked our eyes were checked everything was checked and that's an amateur sport right or from, from, from our side what we were doing right is amateur okay and the amount of what you had to go through to just to get into that octagon was unbelievable but it was right it was correcting to do you know and then you could go a professional rugby player can go Sunday and the amount of concussions that are caused in rugby is you probably get yeah, two or right. three two or three even per, per match right and how many matches are on every weekend right and they don't need any medicals and they, they and they don't recognise MMA then as a sport that, that's, I think they need their heads knocked together. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And like you said, uh, like you said with MMA, they're the most, like what I found from doing what I've, what I've been doing recently, it's only really two and a half months I've been doing it um, and with the Irish scene, is I found they're the most obliging, welcoming people that I have uh, ever come across. Like you're in a room full of killers, essentially. Yeah. But they are the nicest people I've ever. You you probably know. Do you know Maga? Maga. I do. Yeah. I was actually I was Maga. actually texting him. I was texting him last night. Actually, yeah. Maga. He. I watched him fight. I was like, this guy's a savage. And then I got talked to him. I said, this is possibly one of the nice people I've ever met. And I've gone he's to see Maga, two of his fights. He's a gentleman. I actually met him. That's is actually. It's interesting how you brought up his name, now, right? I was. I had my son out at, at the doctor's uh, uh, a good few months ago now, and we have we got a little puppy, right? And he's getting restless in the car, and I, I took the dog out of, out of the car just to walk around with him. And this guy was standing there with his child, kicking the ball around. Of course, the child saw the dog, wanted to come over, and it was Maga, right? And I didn't know him from Adams. He didn't know me, and... You know, he's in great shape. You know, the man is, is a beast of a man, like, you know. And uh, we just got talking and I brought, he, he asked me about my leg and all this sort of stuff. And I was just telling him, look, I'm, I'm doing a program now called Winter Warrior. 
And he told me then he was involved in the, the MMA and we got a great conversation going. And then I went up to see the fights in Nori there um, oh, a few months ago now and he was fighting in that one. Um, and we great. He's an absolute gentleman. An absolute gentleman. An animal in, 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 and I don't mean that in a bad way, right? Saying yeah. he's gone to be an animal. When he's, in, when he's in that ring, he's a different man. Outside it. A gentleman. And I'd say the same, like the likes of um, Ryan the Hulk's plan. Pallian, put them in a the ring and they're just a totally different person altogether. Take them out of it. They're the most gentlest, kindest, nicest people you come across. And that's not just from my gym, meeting Naga. It, it comes across like any of the events I've ever gone to. Every single one of them were exactly the same. They're just so nice people that come out of it. Like, you know? And this is when I come back to again about um, how these people dedicate their lives to to what they're doing and the, the amount of effort they put into it and the hard training they do to it and all that it's because they're honest decent people right yeah. they're honest decent people and you can see it taking away from the training side of it taking away from the fighting side of it you speak to these people outside that and you couldn't meet nicer people than them like you know absolutely absolutely the whole arm are really really good people um are you going to be going to any of the upcoming events um, I w- well, I won't be fighting, but I, I would be going to. I'm going to um, the one in in uh, uh, the one in Mead, I think is on the twelfth of December. Legacy. Yeah, um, hundred percent. Sorry, hundred percent. I'm going to be there too. Yeah, I'd be, be going to that one. And well, I know that the youth nationals are on in in our own gym. Um, I think yeah. it's on the fifth of December. I'll, I'll be going to see that, and I think there's another one on the 19th of December, um, and I think it's the 19th of December anyway. So I'll be, I'll be going to those ones. Yeah, yeah. I might know sometime next year. You might see me in the ring up there as well. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. I, I have okay. Will you be in training on the 12th of December? Or can I buy you a pint? Say, say again. Will you be training in December? Or can I buy you a pint up at Cage Legacy? Uh, well, I, I train every day, right? But I, I, I make the exception for that day, Dev. Perfect, perfect. I'd, definitely, <laughs> I'd love to see I'd love to see you up there because I know there's uh, four or five title fights on that card. And like That's you right, said, yeah. you like you like watching the region and stuff more. I've only got into it. The level within this country at the minute is absolutely unbelievable. Oh, level. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, the amount of, like, I mean, there's, there's clubs popping up everywhere now because you know, the sport is getting bigger and bigger. But the the the, um, the, the standard is is huge there. Like, you know, it's really really high standard. But you could even see that there in the um, in the Europeans there a couple of months back. I mean, uh, Ireland done. If they didn't win a medal, they were in the final of it anyway. I've each I've each their boats like you know they done very 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 well. Like, you know, and even for my own club now looking at some of the young fellas that are coming through and young girls. I mean, these are teenagers. We have a guy, um, he's 17, he's a guy called Fiona Rourke. Um, the man is about, he's about six foot two, right? And I tell you, watch out for him. This guy is going to make it big time. And he's so dedicated to sport. And again, one of the most respectful and nicest guys you could ever, ever come across. He actually coaches some of our uh, wrestling classes and these guys know who are 28, 29 years of age and they sit and listen to him to every single word that comes out of his mouth. 
He is absolutely fantastic. He's a name you should watch for the future. He is going to be outstanding. I will, 100%. Have you any questions, Ike? No, no. Um, idea was probably something I shouldn't mention on the record. <laughs> the podcast there are some local names who are now international stars in the sport of mixed martial arts so but I, i'd like to ask but not on the uh on the record you know be well you, you can edit it out yeah yeah you can edit it I out. Just, yeah i mentioned these because like, i see these fellas every day you know mm. and i see them out to train if they put in and how like what we're talking about there with these fellas that when they go into the ring they're a different type of person right when you see them outside the ring and the dedication and the amount of work because I see these fellas every single day and ah yeah I'm just I'm so so um inspired by them and so actually very hopeful of our young people that there's some very very decent people out young people out there like you know and it's nice to see that because I'm sick to my teeth of hearing the young people are this and the young people like we, yeah, yeah, young yeah. people are causing COVID and young people are causing this and they're all mm-hmm. damaging this and damaging that and causing trouble in, in the town. Yes, there are there are people who are doing that, but there's a lot of young people who are doing a lot of good as well. Of course, you know? of course. Um, no, I, I have some questions, David, but uh, I think I'll probably ask that after after okay. we uh yeah um do you have any other do you have any other questions to ask on the record then no i think he's answered everything um uh, um i wanted to know uh his story is uh, very inspiring really inspirational thank you no oh, it is it is that's why i wanted to get you on and that's why i said obviously you've seen i do the live instagram stuff I didn't want to do that for this because the quality, you know, is better and gives you more as well on the live. Even though I've done a couple times, it kind of freaks me out because you can see people jumping <laughs> on this yeah. platform to do, do your story so you can talk and talk and talk as much as you like or as little as you like. Um, yeah. But no, yeah. but no it's, been, it's been really nice having you on and hearing your story. Is there anything Thanks, else that uh, you'd like to talk? Is there yeah. anything else that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, well, there's, there's one thing... Um, that that I, I would like to see come out of this, not not just from this this um this interview, I mean in, in general, from you know, if people see what, what I've done or what I'm doing or um I just hope it gives them um a bit of hope, a bit of encouragement to say, right, there's a guy lost his leg, lost his wife, and he's still pushing himself hard. That you know that if I can do it, anybody can do it, right? Um, you just get your head around things. And I know it's hard at times when things are tough in people's lives, right? But to get yourselves involved in training, in the sport, and I, I've taken up MMA late in life, right? Um, but the, the, what it does for you mentally, right? Or what it also does is gives you um, encouragement. It gives you um, satisfaction. It, 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 you know, you, it's easy to sit in a chair and feel very, very sorry for yourself, right? But that doesn't help you, right? 
keeping an active mind, getting involved in the sport, getting involved in, as we said, like people in, in, in the MMA circle, right, are some of the nicest people you could ever, ever come across, right? They're, they're going to ring as an individual, right? But there's a huge team behind them, right? And that's everybody that's in their gym. And they are, like, what I felt from, from my own gym in SBG, I mean, I, I, as I said, I fell on my feet again, right? They, 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 just, they just took me under their wing, every, from the younger group, up to the owners, to everybody that's involved inside there, they, they have, they encourage me every day, they, they, they drive me on every day, they, I actually love going down, I actually enjoy going down, you know, you you go into another gym, right, you go into your normal gym, right, you do your weights, and they might have a swimming pool, some might, whatever, you go in there as an, individ, as an individual, and while you're training, you're going to be an individual, you don't get that in, in MMA gyms, right? Everybody's there behind you, right? Everybody's supporting you. You know, you come in, they, they welcome you, they, they look after you, they see where you're doing something wrong. It's all encouragement. It's all the time. It's always positive, great positive vibe in, 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 involved in there, like, you know. And I just hope that somebody that might be in my situation um, or some other type of disability that it's not the end of the world, right? It's not the end of the world. There's there's something out there for you, right? And you put your mind, set your mind to say, right, okay, I'm going to try this. I've, uh, listen, lads, it wasn't a bit of roses for me either. Like, you know, there's many times I fell down, just had to get back up and go again and go again and go again. But that's, that's, that's part and parcel of it. And that's the enjoyment of it, that you get up and then, Maybe after 10 times, you, you achieve what you set out to do. So, right, I could have easily gave up after the first time. I didn't. I know what I'm doing. Right? So anybody that's out there want, that wants to, don't, don't let your disability define Don't, right? Because that's not you. Right? There's a lot of things you can do um, that you can achieve in life and, and get great enjoyment out of it and, and get encouragement and achieve things. Just get your mind focused and, 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 and do it. Go for it. Go for it. Don't sit back and say, God love me. People get fed up of hearing that as well. Like, you know, get up and do it. Inspiring words from Inspiring. It's been an absolute, <laughs> been an absolute pleasure. I talked to you about two weeks ago and said I really wanted John. Yeah. I wanted to make sure there was a date. Like I said, I was, I started a new job, so I was there get the weekends off me and I can coordinate these on the weekends better now so right a pleasure I thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute no, pleasure I, for I, me to have you on thank you lads I really really appreciate it you know um, as I said <laughs> I went out to try to better myself I didn't think I was going to come to doing podcasts with people and all this stuff like you know so I'm honoured I'm honoured lads really really honoured that she had me on tonight and I, I really really do appreciate it well, Sean, have you never thought about starting maybe a podcast of your own? I mean, I know it takes time, but yeah. again, with your background, what the, what you've been through, I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of, uh, you gradually will take the growth maybe slow, but maybe fast, but I'm sure you would get a big audience. I'd love to, but you know, to answer the phone that you, when you were setting me up for that, it's quite difficult even for me. <laughs> I might do a podcast. <laughs> no, but... Yeah. Um, 
think about it because I think a lot of people would listen to you. Yeah. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Might, might be my next uh, target. You never know. We'll see how it goes. Good. But uh, thank you for joining us. It's I, been wonderful so and great having it. you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. I, 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 I appreciate you coming on. Mm. Not at all. Not at all. And I hope I'll see you above me in, uh, in a couple of weeks' time.